Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Adventures in the Creative Industries. My name is Eric Ravaglia, your one-man band, and today I am with Joanna Holton. This is one of those episodes I've been wanting to do for a while because Joe's story is one of a kind. From becoming an All-American volleyball player whilst at uni, to joining the Peace Corps, to then starting Cycle Hack and bringing TEDx to Edinburgh, uh, Portobello, and it's um, it's an incredible ride. This is one of those stories of ebb and flow, failures and successes. It's a story of achievements and heartbreak. And like it's all about believing in your choices and going for it through like good and bad weather. And Joanna is a force of nature. She had a life of striving for excellence and hard work. Her work ethic is insane. She's dedicated. She has a lot of passion for her work. And for Joe, uh, work is personal as much as I, it is for me. And I really relate to that. In fact, in her Medium article, she says, your work is only as strong as your heart. And I really relate to that, to that quote, and I think it's very fitting for this episode. Joe is now the director uh, at the MasterCard Foundation Scholars Program, where practically she spends most of uh, her time working with young people from Africa who are fire starters uh, to the core. And, and the, the, the thing with this is scholarship as it's all about the idea of transformative leadership and how values beliefs and principle can enable uh, these people this the students to make a positive impact in their community there are moments in this podcast where I'm, it sounds like i'm a bit harsh and i go a bang on about certain things because i hone in certain elements of her experience that are not necessarily her achievements but more how and why certain things didn't work out and how and why she keep moving and her story is amazing man i I really hope you enjoy this podcast as much as i enjoyed making it because it was so inspirational but also uh so personal so personal hello joe hi thank you very much for coming my pleasure. You, you were on my original list of people I wanted to have in the podcast a year ago. So I'm taking <laughs> I'm taking that list yes. off as I go. So I've seen your talk at Creative Edinburgh. You, I think it was a CC Love, Creative Corporate Love event where you were talking about penning your pants, mm. which was something I have seen amongst many people <laughs> because it went viral. Basically, like you guys having a laugh in front of the camera. And nearly showing our underwear. Yeah, that nearly. might have been part of that. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, because you could just like go frame by frame. Ah, 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 ah. No, no Andes. No Andes. Okay. Um, I, I thought, I, you know what? I'm pretty sure that paid, paid a little bit of uh, influenced some people's decision on clicking or not on the video. Do you know what I mean? Because you used that as a thumbnail. So you know exactly what you were doing. That was someone else. That was that was Alec that decided on the thumbnail. He so knew it. He knew it was like a man. Let's tempt them. <laughs> let's tempt them into clicking. And like, we'll, we'll get back to that because it's, it's much later on in the story. But one thing I want to ask you about it straight away, get out the, of of the list. It was so you did a penny in your pants after uh, on at the back of Cycle Hack, which yeah. you you put together with other people, and. Did you start that crowdsourcing campaign, right? Because, okay, so you clearly, you've seen a, a penny, penny in your pants could be a product of some yeah. sort. 
And first of all, can you explain what pen in your pants is? Because like, otherwise people <laughs> sure. are listening and say, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> so, um, yeah, as you said, um, so pen in your pants was created off the back of Cycle Hack. And the whole idea was to create your own solutions to challenges that you face on the bike. And for me, I I like being myself on the bike. I don't basically I'm unorganized and <laughs> I, you know, leave a shoe at home or leave a bra at home or leave clothing at home. So I need to wear, you know, what I'm going to wear all day on the bike. So, um, so, you know, that was one of the challenges I wanted to bring to Cycle Hack was how... How to remember to wear pants <laughs> or a skirt before you leave your house. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, the struggle's real. Okay. Um, so you don't want to be wearing a skirt on your on your cycle on your bicycle and have forgotten your Andes. I mean that, that you don't. That, that you don't. Is, is that, that is dangerous. Do yeah. not do that. You got. You're distracted if that's what happens. Yeah. yeah very. Um, so. Yeah, so we were kind of sitting around this 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 table talking about how to kind of make skirts more bike friendly. And Alec um, Farmer said, you know, why don't you use this penny? And uh, I think he had a bottle cap at the, at the time or something or yeah, a penny. Yeah. And he said, you know, why don't you try this? And I was like, sure, mate, like whatever, whatever. And I had like a, a good skirt for trying it on. So I tried yeah. it on and essentially cinches your skirt into a pair of shorts. Um, and right away I was like, this is this is amazing. And so um, so it essentially, yeah, makes your skirt into a pair of shorts by kind of cinching them with that penny and a rubber band. It feels like the kind of solution your grand would give you. You know, it'd be like, <laughs> I know. put this on. Like, what are you talking about? And then you put it on and say, like, oh, actually, actually, this is pretty smart. <laughs> yeah. When did you, did you decide to do the um, campaign, the crowdfunding campaign from then? So we very quickly we're kind of up to three million views on um, vimeo which is like <laughs> out of this world like you know it's not it's, you don't go viral on vimeo unless you're like a beautiful animation or a beautiful video so <laughs> you know yeah, that's the extra difficulty it's not like it's just that's like a step harder right keep going no and it was amazing so we we made it into like numerous international publications, local newspapers and various things. Yes. Um, but but what was really amazing is that women started, created their own hashtag and started sharing their own films and how they were using it. We had this amazing um, vintage, blog, vintage clothes blogger that was talking mm -hmm. about how Penny in Your Pants actually helps you save your like maxi dresses. And it, it just was incredible. And I think that was the most moving thing is that yeah. it was actually helping women cycle which that's it's a big amazing. thing in the in the industry yeah. is like how to get more women on bikes and they make things like round and purple and like it's just <laughs> silly where this was uh, simple and and yeah. and really really liberating women were um talking in like their cycling groups about how it was empowering them to kind of take back the street where yeah. oftentimes they get cat calls or various things about you know their bodies or what they're wearing yeah. on their bikes i mean if you're in warmer countries especially like it's it's hard to like how are you going to wear a skirt and get on a bike or even a moped or anything that you have to you know i don't want to say it but like you know if you have to spread your legs and you're wearing a skirt <laughs> and throw just, some wind in there and there's a bit of wind it's like that's a bad combination yeah. altogether so you either not wear a skirt or you're at risk of like holding holding your skirt while driving which i've seen many times when people <laughs> doing on a moped it's hard and it's amazing how like a tiny little idea can spur so much 
into people. I mean, to get out and make your own video. And I'm, I'm pretty sure there'll be people saying, oh, you should use this type of elastic instead of this type of, this type of rubber band because it works like this, it works like that. Use a 50p or use a, use a dollar. <laughs> yeah, or like, yeah. you know, it was like, I'm pretty sure that it's been like a whole thing going on about this. And just from a silly idea that was actually brilliant. So after that happened, did you put the crowdfunding campaign straight away? Um, do you know, I don't, I don't remember the timing, but I, it wasn't right. long. It wasn't it long was around after. about the same time. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't long after, because I think, I think for us, it was, we weren't expecting it to be such an amazing product mm-hmm. and we wanted to make it better yeah. from what women were saying online, like the, the penny kind of hurt the fabric and didn't look yeah. so great. And so we wanted to find a way to make it more of like a piece of jewelry or accessory or something yes. that looks looks quite nice and um is a little bit easier i mean i think my like my penny like shot off at one point and like <laughs> nearly hit a guy walking past and there was a lot of confusion <laughs> so i think we wanted to like try and <laughs> say sorry that penny came I from know. my from my pants i'm sorry <laughs> i did say that yes i did say that and there was confusion um so we wanted to make it like a better like experience but we thought what an amazing opportunity to raise some awareness and yeah. and funds for um women that are facing some serious challenges to cycling. Because like you went off and you did an Indiegogo campaign yeah. instead of a Kickstarter, <clears throat> which it kind of made sense because it's a product, a type of product, could work in Indiegogo. And from, from there, it just didn't work. That's the hardest thing, right? So like yeah. the, you had this all free PR communities, people doing this pen in your pants thing. And like you put this crowdfunding campaign out and it wasn't even that much it was like what five thousand pounds something like that yeah and you got about halfway through and it didn't go it didn't happen how did you feel at the time i think oh pennies are really emotional thing <laughs> for go. me to talk about i was saying it's hard at like i know 10 a.m on a monday no it's um i think it was it's hard i mean crowdfunding itself yeah is a really difficult thing when people say, oh, I'm going to do a crowdfunding campaign, like it's no big deal. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. listen, 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 to me. listen, <laughs> listen, it's hard. <laughs> um, and I think there, there's been a lot of lessons in that. And, mm. and, and so what, yeah, so we didn't get the funding. And I think for, for those that were involved, they had said, you know, if we don't get funding, like we're not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be involved and rightfully so, right. It's a yeah, great yeah, way yeah. to kind of test the viability of an idea. Um, and I, I, I kind of really wanted to keep going with it after. And um, so I think that was hard. And it is like it is a really difficult thing. And you just really want to be like publicly validated for your idea. And you're yeah. not. And so you have to think. And, you know, people were really like really excited about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, we did get a really good following. But I think looking back, there are probably things that we could have done right. from the crowdfunding that could have could have um, made us a bit more successful in that way. Um, but yeah, it felt really personal and mm. quite emotional. So it's, I, I think I said this before, like I I look back on my life and, you know, have like messed up so many times and, you know, cringeworthy and whatever. And I think, yeah. I think Penny <clears throat> is, has been something that's still, I, I'm still working out. Really? What, I don't, yeah, I think it, it feels, it feels really personal so like maybe uh, yeah why was penny why is penny so personal for you i don't know i think maybe because um maybe i didn't do it justice 
And I, I say this having a thousand penny in your pants products in my <laughs> attic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the story is is not finished. Um, right. But I think, yeah, I think maybe I, I, I yeah, it was a bit. What I, was it? Okay, so. <laughs> We are not done with this, John. You're on the <laughs> no, grill. You're no, on the grill is, right I'm now. I'm grateful. I'm grateful <laughs> for this experience. I want the real deal here. <laughs> okay. No, like your story makes perfect sense in a way that a lot of people mm. begin to start things and they don't work out, even when it feels like it's about to work out and then it doesn't. Yeah. What do you think in your campaign didn't work out? Like for somebody out there, if you could go back and speak to Joe 2014 and say, hey, listen. If you do this, you have higher chance for it to work. Yeah, I mean, I think probably like our our pricing and like the kind of business model take of it. I think maybe that could have we could have done better mm. looking at that. And maybe um, I think we had a lot of contributions, but they were quite small. Yeah. Um. So I think there's ways um, that we could have done a bit more around that. I think from like contacts and communications, you mm. know, I have a few ideas around that. But I think I'd probably have to like go back to that time and and yeah. think more about like kind of the technicality of of crowdfunding and how and how we could have done better in that way. I think if I were to have a conversation with myself yeah. back then, I mean I think there's something uh, do you know I think failure is really popular right now. Like everyone's talking about failure. Yeah, it's like a badge of honor, which you know in a way is a is a better conversation. Totally. Totally. And imposter syndrome and yeah. you know and all of that. Which I hate the fact is being thrown around left and right now. Oh, we all have imposter syndrome and which uh, yes, but it's it's like you know I don't know. I have, and I keep going, keep going. Is it, otherwise, I go down a big no, tangent. No, and because it is, I think it is really important to kind of to talk about it and mm -hmm. normalize it. And I think yes. once you realize other people are going through it, it's 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 has less power. But I think to be in that position where you feel like an imposter mm. or um, you're kind of in the midst of things not working out, it is so debilitating. Yeah, let's like talk you about don't, that. And yeah. I think that's the thing. I think I I've tried like my approach to a lot of challenges is mm. to kind of take to the balcony and like kind of come up and just see what's going on because I think when you're in the middle of that and you're feeling like an imposter and you're feeling like you failed it's really easy to get like caught up in everything and everything feels so emotional so I think I would have like maybe tried to find ways to kind of take to the balcony if that makes sense what just, does take to the balcony mean because well, I I was recently at this like leadership program yes uh, and they were talking about adaptive change and how mm -hmm. like imagine you're um at a party mm -hmm with your friends and like there's a DJ and you're having a really great time, but actually in the other corner of the room, someone's having a miserable time. Yeah. In the back here, somebody's like, I, or there's all these things going on. Whereas like a leader, it's important for you to take to the balcony so you can see how it all works together. Right, okay, okay. So I think in that, in that situation, I think I was so caught up in kind of all of that stuff it was hard to see where the opportunities were and mm -hmm. hard to see like different ways that we could take it or different right. connections we could make or or various things but I think I was so caught up in like IPs and wholesalers and direct sales you know and it just you felt were trying so, doing it all like and, it, yeah. that's, that's and I've never done that before and the team was amazing don't get me wrong no, no, but I course, think we yeah. were all we were all really busy with other things and and so I think um yeah, it's. I'm still kind of. I'm still processing it a little right. bit. Um, so it was overwhelming. Yeah. So this is this is the story of 
you know, someone that had an idea, had a bit of, put the idea out there, people loved it, but was overwhelmed by the amount of things that needed to be done. Yeah. And it was overwhelmed by the response the idea had in a positive way, which like, that's the thing is, okay, I was saying, um, when I was doing the post-it and drawing a post-it every day for two mm-hmm. years, I somehow, at the time Instagram was, I had this wave of popularity on Instagram, like for like 1,000, 10,000 people or something enough started following me and liking my pictures. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually, this is, this is working. So I thought I can make something out of it. And I started making products. And I'm glad I did because I learned so much. And mm. guess what? I have, uh, my, I have some in my loft as well. <laughs> In a couple of boxes, my wife uh, routinely asks me what to do with. <laughs> you know, like she just drops in conversations, like, So, what do you want to do with these couple of boxes? We go in the loft, huh? keep them forever. <laughs> this is a reminder of my failures, no. Chloe. We are keeping them. <gasps> oh my gosh, there's something about boxes in our attic, huh? Oh, God. <laughs> to be honest, we should be proud of the fact by the fact that we have an attic. So, I know, you know, right? let's look at the positive <laughs> totally. here. But so. I totally get it. Like, you know, those boxes are there, are weighing you down in mm. a way because that is baggage. That yeah. is what baggage look like physically and yeah. mentally, you know, figuratively and physically. That's what baggage looks like. It, it sucks. Mm. Like, it sucks. How, how did you move past that? Because it sounds like you didn't really move past that. But like, if you were to give like a person who wants to do this, that has experienced a little bit of success and they want get, to get to the next step, what would you tell them? Um, I think, I think there's something about, and I, I do before, before I answer that, I think yeah. there's, I wouldn't say quitting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I think, there, I think boards, the yeah. kind of letting go, cause yeah. I, it, I think there are very different things cause I think yeah. letting go allows what you did to become something else that you might not have anything to do with. Yeah. And that, I think that gives more credit to your work than just quitting because I think Mm -hmm. letting go allows the little connections or the bit of impact to like grow and become things that you might never know will happen right which is which is what what happens yeah even if you're not involved so I think just to because I think I think quitting I think I think letting go feels feels better (laughs) better. (laughs) no but i think it's true it feels truer what did you think you let go in your life what do you think you quit in your life oh um this is tough eric welcome to adventures in the creative industries this is all about your journey your journey sometimes is shite i don't know no i mean i think i think the things that i can think of recently i mean i did have i did have in, in you mentioned that blog post about the graceful exit yes. and I think there's I had a year of no where actually I broke <laughs> because oh. so many things were going on in life and I think my I grew up um, my grandma told me once while we were husking corn on this farm in Iowa mm-hmm. that there are no feelings just work right like this is that's the that's the work that you're talking about yeah right. and so my um my and I have like a very like loving and affectionate family, but like work ethic is for real in the Midwest of America. And I think I always knew how to put my head down and do the work. And I think because of all these different things happening in my life, including Penny, but all, you know, mm-hmm. other things, it physically manifested itself, which I never had had happen before. So I think 
I I needed to create some some boundaries and say no. So I had a year of letting go of things and saying no. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful. And so I, I think looking at, um, and it, you know, it was hard. And I think that blog post was a way of mm-hmm. me telling myself like- I mean, like- for a bit of context, you let go, or you you were an organizational team of TEDx, yep, right, yeah, to let that go, yep, Cyclehack, yeah, which became quite a successful thing. Like yeah. now, Cyclehack happens like all around the country, doesn't it? Like all, all, the all around the world, yeah, now. it's a yeah. big thing, yeah. And these two, like some people, will be just happy with making one of those two things. You know, they'll be like elated that yeah. they make one thing and boom, it goes off and it works and people love it. And you had to let go of two of those things. Yeah. Plus all the things I'm sure you, you didn't write in that blog post or you yeah. don't want to make public or whatever. But like, I'm pretty, so tell me about that year because I feel like I'm in that year right now. Yeah. So tell me about Oh, what a privilege to be sitting with you in that year. Oh, great. <laughs> it does not look good, guys. Just saying. <laughs> no. It does not You're look good. You're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, it's going to look different from everyone, but I think I came face to face with my ego and I think um I think I had to have a really deeper understanding of why I was doing things Mm -hmm. I think I always I mean I am a heart person um you know my heart is in everything we're talking about you know personal like I really care about my work and so I think um like no boundaries I had no boundaries (laughs) when it comes to work you know because everything I put everything into it and I think um I realized the point of which that became about doing things for other people um and not for like the work at hand or not for myself and I think that is when it becomes like emotionally soul sucking and Mm. you know you go to meetings or you have Skype calls and you realize you feel horrible after because the energy just doesn't just doesn't work and you just realize like why you know why am I doing this and some of the you know most times you know you're not being paid and you know so it's like this energy is just being taken from you um so I think I think you know I had to have a hard hard look at myself and and realize that actually um these these different projects just weren't I wasn't giving my best to it and it was kind of a disservice to what mm. what I what I wanted to start you know be yeah, a part yeah, of yeah. to start with so I you know just started saying no to things and that was the first time in my life doing that and I think two things happened is that I um well many things but two that I can think of right now off the top of my head is mm-hmm. is that um I just I had got to spend time with myself, right? And like be bored <laughs> yeah. or, you know, and catch up with people or, but make decisions on like what yeah. I needed at the time. And that was, I think that was really healing in that recovery process. But also when I started saying no to things, people started working harder for me, mm-hmm. which I think I was always the helper. I was always going out of my way. But when I started saying, you know, I'm really sorry, I just can't be involved in that process. They would say, well, how can we, what can we do to make it easier for you to get involved? And I thought, what? What? <laughs> this is amazing. So actually. So you do like me. <laughs> no, do you know, and, and, Not and, just my work. <laughs> right. But it, I think I became um, a little bit more aware of my contributions. And, mm. and I think by having a, a few more boundaries, it allowed me to actually connect with people in a more meaningful way instead of doing a million projects 
on yeah. very little energy, I could really make decisions on where I put that energy and 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 really give it my all, which was which was great. And I think to be able to take some time um, to to step away from the projects and the late nights and the weekend work. Mm. And just give a little bit back more to myself. I actually found that I I gave like I was better. I was more creative. I was more efficient, more productive, much more of a joy to be around for mm-hmm. myself. Right. Um, so actually, I think it made me better um, in so many different ways to like to say no. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really important. It's really important. Um, to have some boundaries yeah. and know when to walk away. Which is the hardest thing. It takes me forever to walk away. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a hard, painful decision that comes after months of like, why am I doing this? No. But I think for you to know that it's hard for you is yeah. really important. So even if you're like, okay, I know that I'm on this road of walking yeah, away and I'll get there. Do you know what? Now I know when I'm walking the road and I'm like, oh shit, I didn't realize I turned right again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, what have I done? To, to find myself on that road out again. Yeah. And um, what annoys me when is when I look back and I think, actually, that wasn't that bad of an idea. If I had kept going and I had done things in a certain way, I could have been successful at that. But clearly my heart wasn't in it because mm. I found myself turning yeah, right yeah. on the way out, you know. And it, that happens so many times. And sometimes it happened without me realizing it. Sometimes it happened because I had certain behaviors that took me there. And I was like, when you when you when you're almost close to the door, you have to be self-aware enough to say, I might need to cross, open the door, and you know, get by and move on to the next road. Some some people, sometimes myself, you just turn around and go back, you know, because yeah. it's so hard to let it go. But for me, it's been I think May. My daughter is just is is. <laughs> You know that's been forced on me. You know, it's like <laughs> you just don't have the time anymore. Because yeah. I am, I'm always, I'm that type of guy that I give you all the time I have. Yeah. You know, and it's I put my, it just I care so much. That I was like, you know, as I say this all the time. Like when I was at uni, I was the guy walking down the corridor, still finishing the work, so that I wanted to make you know the most out of those five minutes getting from the the, the lab to the delivery room. It was just like delivery room. It feels like I was giving birth. <laughs> To the office, the school office where you deliver your homework, <laughs> your coursework. And um, so to me, it's always hard to look and say, May, just l- let it go. Mm. Let it go. And um, I, that's why I, li- I like to hear that, that you yeah. have to go through this, through, through the motions. You need, yeah. the, you need that time. I, I'm struggling to find the time to be bored because I just... Yeah, I mean, now, <laughs> now with kids, it's a different it's story. It's a different story. Yeah. And like, I've got, you know, got my, I'm studying, I'm working on my own business. I'm working on the Eric RBA, you know, servicing business, uh, business and marketing and all the stuff I'm doing. And then I'm doing the podcast, you know, it's yeah. like, it's, it's hard to keep, to keep up. But I'm also... I'm just sometimes it's just I need I'm tired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, it's like having a baby is so messy for everything and everything. <laughs> you know, on any level, it's messy emotionally, it's messy physically, it's messy um, with your family. It's, me- it's messy. Period. Yeah. You know, it's beautiful, but it's messy. And I was talking. We had this conversation yesterday. I had my wife in bed at 9 p.m. Completely shattered, and we're thinking, this is really messy. <laughs> you know, there is no there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing is. Um, 
it's just messy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to yeah. you have to let it go. You have to agree to disagree, and you have to understand that you have no control over it. And we were like, like basically, the, 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 this little girl is is running running the house now. You know, we're just running circles around her. Um, I. I love to hear that, especially because you are incredibly dedicated. You mean you are a hard motherfucker? No feelings, just no work. feelings, just work. No, seriously, like, no. but you know, <laughs> right? I tell you, let Can me get you to the end of this. Right? Tell Alan. Yeah, <laughs> Alan, shut up, mate. Right. So, <clears throat> no, sorry, Alan, I love you. Uh, so the, the, here's the thing, right? There is this trait I find in people. I, I've interviewed a few people now, and I like when I look back into the life. There is one thing that really helps you, and it's like having some kind of success when you're at school. Mm. And when I look back into your history, of course you did, because you were a volleyball player. <laughs> and not just a regular volleyball player, you are a very good volleyball player. You made it to the All-American team, the second team, right? And it's like, <laughs> not, not that good to get to the first team, but the second team, you know, that's good enough, Joe. Good help, good, uh, good effort there. And like... <laughs> And like your numbers were insane. How did you not make the first team? <laughs> what the fuck? You were like, do you know what I mean? Like you were so good. That's my first heartbreak. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Oh, I am loving I... this interview. So good, so juicy, straight to the heart of the problem. Whoever is interviewed by Eric, like, watch out, watch <laughs> right. out. I know everything. <laughs> so, like, okay. Before, before you became the woman you today, and you're today, we can say you're a leader, right? Can I say that? I, I mean, in in some ways, maybe I'm learning. I'm learning. I, I, I think you are in a way because you're, um, you influence people doing good. You have everybody that knows you, like just head over feet. You know, they all love you. So it's like it's. I think you have this strength. You know, when I see you, I always feel like she knows what she's doing you know even though you, you know there is like a tempest there's like a storm inside you you know it always feel you keep it together you're one of those people oh, wow. that like inspirational like that and um when i look at you, you pass it on made sense so tell me about joanna <laughs> playing volleyball no, it's that's, cool it's i'm it's funny to think about because i think in times when i'm not like in the midst of that imposter and like, what am I doing yeah. here? Like I often like go back to that experience and it really gives me a lot of pride. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's definitely something that I think for, for, for young girls, yeah. um, it sport is transformative. I mean, I, when I was, you know, before being a teenager, probably like 11 or 12, I had a, a difficult, um, uh, relationship with a coach and he wasn't playing me and not telling me mm. why and you know my mom was like you have to talk to him what are you mm -hmm. what are you gonna do about it and that was really amazing because I had to go to this like adult male coach mm. and say you need to or I you know I yeah. I really want to play what can I do and that like I think that really set the tone for sport for me because teamwork you know confrontation yeah like knowing your body, like training your body, you know, discipline. I mean, that's just amazing, especially for women mm. to do. And 
I was so lucky to have some really good teammates and then coaches over the years and got to play at a really high level in college and was kind of toying with the idea of playing pro and I was in yeah. a sho- I was in a shower in Innsbruck, Austria. Right. And I was like, I'm done. And that, oh, that, no. was, that was that That's was it, it for me, which was amazing because I, I think like especially at college, mm-hmm. it was everything. You know, yeah, because like, you moved- uh, we had a week off all year, right. and it was like morning and night, and everything was was volleyball. And your group of friends is about volleyball, and everything. I mean, I my identity was a volleyball player, and I think due to like various kind of academic avenues and people I'd met, I thought, you know, I think I. I really want to explore myself outside of this. And that opened up a whole new world. So I think that that moment in Austria, I was like, you know, it's time it. to. But oh, like like when I, I wish everybody to find a flow, you know, they mm-hmm. talk about that flow where like you can like see energy around you and, yeah. you know, you are just. And that was that has always been uh, other things, too. But volleyball has always been that like you know in big games and that yeah. kind of pressure like oh. that's it like that's what i was when i was reading about it like i found a whole range of you know very dry articles on like oh Joan holton has done this numbers and this things and now <laughs> she's an all-american player and now she's you know it's like wow and um what i liked about your your journey as a volleyball player is like how you improved over the years because mm. you you when you were a very good junior but when you became a senior, you were like tough, <laughs> man. You, you were like top two, top 10 in, in that year. And it's like you. We were uh, undefeated yeah, and set to win. And we didn't even make it to the finals. 36-0. <laughs> like you never lost. And yet you didn't make it to the final. And we lost. You uh, like NYU. Do you know what? Like I've I never been. I have sucked a sport, right? I've always been. I tried them all. I tried them all. And sadly, I've been benched more than I played. I'm one of those players. I was never dedicated That's enough. That's character. That's yeah. integrity, man. Oh man, I sucked for so long. Like you know, I was always about, I was all about my. I don't know. Like I lived inside my head a lot when I was mm. younger. And because I hated my surrounding, but that's that's for my therapist. You had like already at that age, right? You were under a huge amount of pressure to perform. Yeah. As a volleyball player, how was like going on the the peach, you call it the peach, or how's it called? Um, yeah, the court. The court, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go on the court, and you're about to play like against another very skilled team, and it's like in or out. How did you feel about that? Oh, like it. I think there are so many awesome. Like I, th- I think there's. I think it taught me a lot, which actually is really relevant to our conversations earlier about everything is relevant, Joe. <laughs> what are you trying to say? But like, so volleyball is a game of mistakes. Like, e- like every mm-hmm. point, someone's messed up, and so you can choose to like make a deal of it, mm-hmm. and then there goes the momentum, or you can choose to just like learn and move on, right? Mm-hmm. So I think. At, every moment you're like having to decide how you want to view the situation and I think especially in those where there's a big game and like people saying horrible things to you from the stands like you make a decision and I think for me it was like game on you know yeah and I think that but that mentality is so useful because I think you can feel like bogged down and maybe that would be my advice to the 
Joe of the penny years. It's like game, game on, on right? You notice you've been, but right it. because or you can be like, oh gosh, you know, I, 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 you know, I haven't been playing well or I haven't been doing this, and they're just like, just deep breaths, trust, trust your training. Trust your training. Trust your training. You know, trust, trust your teammates and like just do do what you know. And I think I think there's so many lessons in in that and that kind of and I know myself, maybe it's because I'm an American, but that kind of game on mentality is that feels good. And mm. and and I think that kind of joy, like deciding to see what's around you and like be yeah. grateful for that and like and I think being a parent too I think it's being like god this is hard but like there's a lot of good stuff right here and like yeah. deciding to go with the joy route as opposed to the Oh. Even though, don't get me wrong, when you say like I'm put together, like I I don't know how, because <laughs> I think you know it's 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 a it's a storm. But I think I think it's like I make a decision every day to yeah. to try and find the I you not know try what? and find like it's there. No, no, but, yeah, let's forget you know, the try, but like to do it, yeah. you make a decision every day to say it's either game on. Or yep. I have a lot of excuses while it's yeah. not. And and to say some days, oh, it feels so good to like wallow oh, in yeah, sorrow. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? But then it's like, okay. That's when the sad music comes out. You know? The good cry in the bathtub. Oh, oh it's the yeah. best. That's it. Like that's when you like, you know, I my when I'm having a bath, you know, more often than not, it's cause I need I need a moment to just like yeah. forget about everything. And that's how I used to cope when I was a teenager. I hated everything and I was like, you know, I'm gonna have a bath now. I'm gonna go watch. I'm gonna go read the magazine. No, I'm gonna go read the comic in the yeah. back. And like it's um, so yeah. I I believe in the power of bath. But the game on analogy, I think that's that's bang on because you got to make that decision every single day, especially when you have a baby. It's game on all the time. Yeah. But like when in your life, when it comes to it, you either step up and and you know get on the court and start smashing that ball left and right or you're gonna get stuck. Yeah, right. It's sad. And yeah. like you, the, the thing is you've seen that, you experienced that. Yeah. And yet clearly you made that decision at the time with pen in your pants or something that didn't work probably because your heart wasn't in it. And you didn't have your your game face on, you know? <laughs> you were like, you were lost in excuses. You didn't trust the training. You yeah. didn't trust yourself enough. Well, and I, and I think like, it just wasn't the time. Right, because I think oh, if I, I think if that. it needed to happen too, like mm -hmm. it needed to, and I think there were like lessons to be learned in it. So I think part of it is being gentle on myself too, yeah. and like so I think I think part of it is it kind of accepting, not like accepting loss, never, you know, no. but like <laughs> from yeah. like a competitive mindset, no, yeah. not, nothing like that. But I think there's also just something being like, you know, that now's now's not the time, or. Um, you know, I, yeah, I think it's it's also being being gentle on that because I think it's it it. I think there's lessons in all these in all these. Um, I mean, I I, I kind of think when we were talking before when I when I give some advice to friends about mm -hmm. like a job or or a yeah. project, I I sometimes ask them to think of it as like 
a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Like if you yeah. were in a relationship with this, like would you go on a second <laughs> would date? Yeah. Would you go for a beer? And sometimes it's like, no, like this is a destructive relationship. <laughs> I need to walk away or like maybe the timing isn't right. But like mm. at the time, it, it gives you what you need. So even if like looking back at the project and it's like, oh, that was, it's like at the time it gave me what I needed and it, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, we did good things there, but you know, it was time to yeah, move on. Yeah, so yeah. I think sometimes like thinking about these things as people that you're in relationships with, cause they are well, <laughs> essentially it's, in, in your mind. It is a relationship because like you, you're talking yourself down or up or whatever to do these things. It's a, these things are very real in mm. your head for, it could be a business for other people when you, when you spend all your day and sometimes your nights and sometimes your weekends with that business it's it, you're in a relationship my friend yeah. and it's not a good one sounds rather abusive if you ask me right especially if the conversation in your head is not kind enough to yourself yeah. then you, you really end up into that sort of like vicious circle where you're trying to do more because you don't feel like it's good enough and yeah. and then it gets you, you, you maybe your work gets a little bit better but then you get a lot more worse yeah. so like it's that 80 20 rule in a way that what's the 80 20 rule the 80 20 rule is like with 20 percent of your effort you can achieve 80 percent of your results mm. right so if you if you for instance um have 10 clients two clients give you 80 percent no maybe like that four clients give you 80% of your returns. Mm. The other 16 clients give you a fraction of that and a lot of work. Yeah. So like if you remove those clients and you only do with the 80%, then you only make 20% of the effort and you make maybe a little bit less money, but you'll feel a lot better, yeah. a lot more productive and you will get more clients yeah. that give you more. Yeah. So that process, the 80-20 mm. rule there, What's it called the Pareto, the Pareto principle? I think it's called. Okay. And the it works in a way that you can, if you remove what's taking your time, that's not very beneficial in your life. Yeah. You can apply the rule to anything and everything. Yeah. Right. So in this case, we were talking about. I got lost. What we were talking about. Well, I think it's you can. Um, it's controlling what you can control. Pretty, yeah. I mean, like you, you have a, a level of control on mm. where you put your time. I, I don't know. I think there is there is method in the madness. Mm. Um, to quote um, Gregor, that has a podcast called Method in the Madness. So <laughs> I think even then, the, mm. there is something in it. But what I like about your story is like you you experienced success on many different ways, but you always kept moving. Mm. right so you 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 never really settled with something you've always been searching for something else yeah right so my question is what are you searching for <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh i don't know have i kept moving like f literally literally moving literally figuratively lot. hello oh, it's just funny because now like I okay, feel like I'm not, do you know, so it's, yeah. but I think you're, I think you're right. I think that's quite interesting. And I, I like starting things. So I think that mm -hmm. makes it easier to like keep moving. So it's quite interesting now to have like a period of stillness in a way in, in terms of, well, I mean, because professionally I feel very fed with my job now. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely different like that kind of movement is is very different now but like you went right from being an exceptional volleyball player and a good student as well because you you did well at college right so, and, and you left home early because 18 mm. 
you left Fargo, which is, is that like half North Dakota and half Minnesota? How does it work? Well, Fargo-Moorhead, they're like sister cities and one's on one side of the river and right. one's on another and okay. the Red River separates them. So oh, right. Fargo is North Dakota. North but Dakota, okay. You can go between the states very easily. So we can just <laughs> hop, hop a bridge. So, I know everyone was thinking about that, so I'm glad we yeah. can clarify. And because I was like, what's his story exactly? But the um, so you left. You went about a thousand and a half miles away to uh, Pennsylvania yeah, to yeah. the Juniata College, and that's where you, you 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 know you you fostered your career as a volleyball player, but also as a student because you'd done. And I got it here, <laughs> communication and women's studies. We yeah, graduated yeah, in 2004. And then, oh, yeah. after you had, you were like in that shower in, in Austria, you said, right? And you said, you know, I'm done. Mm. What takes you from there to the Peace Corps? I think, um, so I grew up, so my dad's a, a pastor and my mom's a, a teacher, professor, writer, um, very vocational. So I think service and social justice has always been part of how I was raised and who who I think I am. <laughs> and uh, so I, I knew and we had done very like kind of service journeys and mm -hmm. various trips and stuff growing up. So I think I always um, felt very passionate about kind of using my hands to do right. good work. Um, so I knew the Peace Corps was always on my cards and and I think there were various things that had happened finishing my degree around mm. um, kind of launching different charity events and things like that. And so I, I, I uh, got to know myself in, in those different ways and right. ended up in Colorado looking, you know, for this other job. And, but I was like, nah, I wanna, I, I um, well, no, actually, sorry, I like forgot about a year of my life. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a second. No, yeah, so I went and got my master's um, mm -hmm. in international service, in international development, and I think that really prepared me for the Peace Corps. So I think I was always on this kind of journey to do development work, mm -hmm. um, and the Peace Corps is kind of another degree to do that in the States, is it's really important that you do the Peace Corps. So, so it's you, like a personal and a professional part so of that journey. Practically, it's part of the degree. Like you have to. No, you have to. But like. Yeah. So like my degree was separate, but like I think it's seen when right. applying for like development jobs. Like Peace Corps is really important. Well, like you 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 get thrown into the midst of it, really. Totally. So I think so in in doing that, um, it was an incredible opportunity, very difficult. But I think I realized due to the Russians invading Georgia. Yeah, so <laughs> tell me about that. So, okay, before then you went to Jamaica, right? You went yeah, to yeah, Jamaica and London for yeah. my degree, yeah. And that's when you finished your degree and yep. you were ready to go. What, what about that story that they pulled a gam on you in, in Jamaica? Yeah, in, uh, that Kingston? was, I, it was kind of, it was a really funny, because while I had traveled a bit before that, it was my first time like making a life in another country. And, How old were you at the time? Um... I was probably, how was I, like 24, okay. 25 maybe? Mm -hmm. Baby Joe. Baby Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so um, was working in, and, and Jamaica is a, a beautiful place and mm -hmm. culturally so rich, but there are pockets that are that are quite dangerous. And I think- I think you can say that over anywhere, really. I, no, exactly. Um, and you I, must have pockets in Fargo too. 
Totally. Like They're the, nice though. They're yeah. still nice. <laughs> yeah. but no, but and I, I think we were we were in the in the suburbs and yeah. so I think that I think where where crime is you know, and I worked in a legal aid clinic downtown uh-huh. um, doing divorce petitions. It was really in interesting. No in, no, in in Kingston. G- G- Kingston, right. <laughs> in Kingston. I said, what? Okay. <laughs> no, in Kingston. So it was a really while studying, it was a really interesting right. time. Um but yeah, so I was like uh, I remember the the security guard for the university was like gave us just kind of spiel about security mm-hmm. in in Kingston and he was like don't show your teeth and I was like that is the best advice ever because I'm smile. walking around like hey, hey hello hi you know and <laughs> you d- you don't do that right. like you walk with a purpose because he said there are sharks out there looking for a soft belly you know looking for you know some somebody that like is 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 unassuming so you walk around with purpose always had sunglasses on and don't show your teeth um but i and i noticed this guy i was walking home from school and i noticed this guy kind of walking at pace with me Mm -hmm. and and my body just like immediately started reacting and so i kind of met him in the street and he pulled open his jacket and he like pulled out this gun and i don't know what happened but i saw all these school kids running away yeah and I just turned around yeah. and he was looking me straight in the eye. Right. And I just turned around um, when, as we were getting close to each other, turned around and like just started walking back. And you know, that moment, I, I mean, I hope people don't feel this in their lives, but you're waiting for something to happen behind mm. you. And before I knew it, I was at the security gates for the university and wow. uh, I was okay, but that was a real, and I think between that experience and Georgia, I think to feel unsafe, is mm-hmm. a really and obviously like be okay but it's a really important people uh, like feeling for people to have because i think a lot of the world unfortunately lives in situations where like edinburgh you can just walk around for the most part for the most part yeah and it and feel very safe and so i think i i carry those experiences close with me and mm. make me feel grateful that um, said there's still people get Arrest, of course, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But I think for it to be like so systematic throughout a city, yeah, it's a different. Yeah, this is yeah. A, a one-off, but in some places, it's definitely more often. Totally. So that that experience of feeling unsafe uh, in in Kingston, clearly when you were in Georgia, yeah. Like, how did the Russian invasion unfold it then? Yeah, so it was a couple like. Um, there was always like, I think I'd been there for like just over a year mm-hmm. and like Georgian grandmas would always say like, there's Russians in the woods <laughs> and you'd be like, no, not no, not. you know, silly. and the Peace Corps, you know, every time you have to leave your city, you'd have to text them, which just felt, you know, I like just yeah. got my master's degree and I'm like, I'm like a grown woman. I don't want to have to be, yeah, but actually, <laughs> you know, you see how that unfolded and. Um, I th- you know, we had to consolidate at, at my flat in the in the city, and there's so there are loads of Peace Corps volunteers, and then we were s- kind of swept away to the to uh, to a village, um, uh, kind of in the mountains, to see how it would work. Like, because the Russians were kind of bombing various places, mm-hmm. and then the Russians started coming into Georgia. So that's when um. the Peace Corps was like. You're evacuated. So we were in Armenia for like, a month. Peace is over. You guys are yeah. out of here. Well, I think, uh, and and so we were in this like old uh, Soviet training, Olympic training facility in Armenia for wow. a month in this hotel. I don't even remember what happened because I think we were all, I mean, I had friends that were in places where the, you know, mm-hmm. windows were being bombed out and stuff. And luckily, you know, I, 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 I didn't, ha- I didn't face any of that. But as you were getting out of the country, you saw kind of military coming in and. That must be. 
that was a yeah. whole new level of weird and overwhelming it was weird yeah because i like my friends were in kutaisi in the city i was in and you know a lot of the work that we did together was there and mm. my cat was there and i oh, mean yeah because you have a georgian cat you yeah, still do yeah still do and she, like that was that was really stressful because i mean even in that situation my friends in kutaisi like looked after her in mm. in the midst of putin being like we're coming into kutaisi and so like even you know that that was really I, that was so kind of them, yeah. um, and so no that was a really that was a really um, interesting time yeah. in life. So like, what was the daily life of working in or like volunteering for the Peace Corps? Yeah, so I was lucky um, because I was attached with a bigger. I mean, but for what I wanted, I was lucky. I wanted to get some like like really strong work experience. So I worked with a network of women's health organizations that mm. worked all over the country with, with doctors and nurses. And so we got to travel to these hospitals all over Georgia and it was around um, kind of early detection of breast cancer, um, contraception use, uh, and also like childbirth was a big thing because I think like women were like made to be on their backs with their feet up. Oh no. And as you know, That's like there's lots of different it. ways to have birth and um um to give birth and so the, a lot of it was um educational and I'm obviously mm. not, you know, have don't have a medical background so I was just helping um very, you know, write uh, programs and proposals yeah. and partnerships and various yeah, yeah. things um, with with the, an amazing team there. So it was it was awesome. Some amazing um, Georgian women. Um, I had I was lucky to work with, and we did some amazing projects and events. And I learned I learned a lot. Um, I had some interesting incidents of like, especially after the war, we a, a couple mm -hmm. of us went back um, yeah. to work in um, with kind of youth and collective centers and camps and um me to carry on some of the work that we were doing with the with the um healthy women in georgia mm. project and i think i was really keen on working in development mm. and i just i didn't have i didn't have the the skin for it did you know what I was think, the hardest thing then i think um you see i remember going to a camp after um and bringing like flour and things like that. And you could see people were really ashamed. Some of the um, internationally displaced people, or, um, internally displaced people were really like ashamed to be getting materials and, and, mm. and flour and things like that. Um, and then, you know, to go back like a month later and they were kind of, you know, knocking on the doors being like, where's our stuff? So you really see how um, it changes people, that response. Mm. And I think you see how... Um, like a lot of the development organizations were like around the capital where there were other parts of the country that weren't getting the aid they needed, you know? So yeah. I think it kind of became a PR strategy oh, <laughs> in a way. Um, and so I think, and there's some amazing people, you know, that I worked with that were like going to these places and, but you see how it, the kind of transition from development or from relief to development mm -hmm. can be quite dehumanizing, um, and how um, international funders really have to look at the role they play in that um, because I think it can really shift how 
communities support one another and support themselves and what they think about themselves. So I think for me, it made me realize that it wasn't for me. Mm. It's kind of projects into your cycles. Yeah. Got to a point where like a new person would come into town and they were only there for a short amount of time and I didn't even make an effort because... They're just going to (laughs) leave. Oh, God. You know, so I was like, I this isn't for me. And that was a real kind of identity thing because I was like my whole life, you know, my master's and and this and, you know, this kind of service Mm. work was all leading to like me going into into development work. And I'm like, that's I don't want to do that. So that's that's another gracious goodbye there isn't it, it? totally totally um so that's kind of when i moved to scotland so really. how how it happened did you, were you like after the invasion did you go back or were you like you know i think i'm gonna go home now no no so we went back um a few of us went back um so i was there maybe for like a year and some after okay. um and then i i i was living in kutaisi which is the second city of georgia mm-hmm. and then i moved to tbilisi I, my partner at the time was working there so mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we lived we lived in in Tbilisi. So I continued working, but it was from the capital, which I think a different was different type good. of work. Basically. Yeah, well, it, no, it was the same same work, but I think just my social life was different. Mm. Whereas in Kutaisi, I was the only American. Where which carries a lot of weight. Yeah, and as a woman, like I constantly had men at my door thinking mm. it was a brothel. Oh, Probably because I hung my underwear out the front balcony, <laughs> which I shouldn't have done. That is not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Sends a particular yeah. message. So, no. yeah. That's, um, wow. I mean, I think what, what, what we forget is because we leave, we've been living like a life in luxury, really. Even if you're like lower class and your parents work hard and you don't have much, like compared to, to what the situation is in certain countries, you've been living in luxury. Like it's it's interesting to see how politically we are heading straight back into mm. God knows what's gonna happen. It's um it's hard to see how we forgot already. Yeah. Like we were fighting a war in Europe not that long ago. Yeah. Not that long ago. Like if people today were catapulted back to that time and you're eating potatoes, if you are lucky, then I'm pretty sure, like, the stuff that we worry about now will change. You yeah. know what I mean? I think the we, we have it easy. We have yeah. it too easy. And, and growing up in the 90s and 80s, we there was a completely different vibe. There was excitement on the fact that we were all united, there was yeah. peace, and everything was going well. And seeing what happens now, how we're tethering always on the edge of conflict on so many different levels yeah we have lost that and yeah. that's scary if russia tomorrow decides to start a war we we are all at war yeah. like the division in europe is problematic because yeah. division in europe is what took us to war twice yeah so i'm kind of i'm bummed out by what's happening yeah. and how luxuries and money really just like changed shifted our focus towards yeah having more rather than being more it's terrifying to me totally terrifying to me i know and like the kind of lack of sophisticated conversations that are informed and it's it's all kind of fear fear of immigrants and fear of this and, and not a real like acknowledgement of history or even just like humanity because like god just to think i mean i think 
I've always felt empathetic, but then to think about like kids, you know, people mm -hmm. trekking these dangerous yeah. miles, you know, to come here with children, like yeah. it hits home even more now. So I think they're, yeah, like it's hard. Like you've been there, you've seen it with your own eyes, but I've experienced it growing up in Italy. We have a lot of people from North Africa that they, they jump on a boat and it's not even a boat, you know, it's yeah. like, and they pay every single penny they have in their lives to come to a country where they then get put aside. Some of them manage to to make it, to escape and trying to find a way into society. And there is no empathy because the, there is the conversation has changed to a level which got, you know, reached dangerous heights. And when you use people, immigrant immigrants as political um, scapegoat, Mm. It's uh, it's a problem when mm. you start blaming people coming from Europe because there is loss of jobs instead of understanding that the the problem is deeper, yeah. and getting rid of the immigrants is not going to solve your problems. Yeah. It's hard. Like yeah. when you get when you get somebody using a sea of people coming from Syria where they have left everything in their life. Imagine, imagine you tomorrow, your house is is being bombed. You lost every single thing you had you don't have a bank account anymore because the bank is gone you don't have you don't have any possession all you have is your family yeah. if you're lucky because yeah. some of these people lost their family yeah. too and somebody uses that picture as a political um, ammunition i'm just sad yeah i'm not even angry anymore i'm just sad yeah and seeing how we've gone back to like extreme right and extreme left and the conversation has been from like the heartless to going after the billionaires is just ridiculous. I mean, like, people forget in the 70s, left and right were fighting in the squares. They're shooting at each other yeah. for an ideology. I went on a big tangent here, but it just no, makes me I think sad. It's, no, it's, I think it's important because I think we don't know how privileged we are. Yeah. Um, and I think... Like, what are we going to do about that? <laughs> That's you know, it. Like, well, like how, we how, can, solve how can we roll up our sleeves and, and um, like, call out these conversations instead of being like, oh, that's my grandma, yeah, you know, yeah. but being like, this is not, yeah. you know. It's like now a lot of you think is the okay boomer uh, meme, where it's like for younger people to be dismissive of all the people which comes after years of you know millennials being abused by the media yeah. but guess what millennials have been abused by the media because you millennials clicked on the fucking article mate <laughs> you just cast it on yourself yeah like instead of reading an article and raging yourself because you know they're bashing you about or they're bashing us because i'm a millennial about uh, avocado on toast you know just don't click on it yeah and, and it's funny how like the <laughs> The fingers being pointed left and right, yeah. but actually, you just look at each other's behaviors on a daily, you know, day to day basis, and that's 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 your answer, right? And look there. at yourself. Look at yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the fact that you know having a like even the idea of having a conversation with someone is a Tory right now is complicated because of their extremist views. But actually, if you if you if you if you were to go out in there and speak to them, speak with somebody that has different views from yours, you realize that they're different views and not that different. Yeah. We're all in the same soup. And you're products of your experiences. Exactly, exactly. So, 
Yeah. It's it's sad. I, what makes me sad is like we're in a time in in space where we should all be able to to agree to disagree with each other because we've been there, we've done that, we're incapable of. Yeah. Well, because then you have to vote on things that mm. hopefully help people that you yeah. disagree with, and <laughs> you know. Fuck. That's my answer to that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> We're going to need the Peace Corps if he's going this way. <laughs> I don't so know. Thank I have my <laughs> views. I have my views on the Peace Corps as oh, well. Wait a second. I, I think um, it's... Don't get me wrong. Okay. I, the Peace Corps is a, is a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also some of it is about the, the volunteer, where I think yes. doing community work requires a great deal of like listening and long-term impact, where I think sometimes... Mm-hmm projects like this you know and you're you're getting people right out of college that maybe don't want to know what they want to do so they join the peace corps i think it's really important that we think about long-term development that is is in the interest of the communities and i think sometimes to listen Mm -hmm. and i say this because i went in there being like i know what i want to do i'm totally saying this because i am that that person but i think it's slow and a slog in that way and it's about it's a lot about listening and I think I don't know if we're I mean working in higher education now are we preparing people to be good listeners (laughs) oh and I don't and I don't I don't I don't I don't think we are and I don't think we're modeling that very well either um and you see how it manifests politically but also in you know relationships or parenting or you know all different kinds of things mm. it's, it's definitely affecting us on a much deeper level than mm. we that we understand i think and the whole you know it's easy now um be outraged to social media and all this stuff but like what i believe it does is just enhance what our relationship what our relationships are and <clears throat> for the good or the bad mm. and that's, i'm wondering where things started to change like negatively because i thought although you know there was anti-globalizations movements back in the 90s and 2000 i think i don't want to believe they were right Mm. do you know what i mean people saying watch it because extreme this extreme um level of removing each other's boundaries to be one is not gonna work out i don't want to believe them do you know what I mean? I can't believe that we are now to a level at a level that we can listen to each other. It was fun. it was interesting to go and speak to someone from a different country that had a different point of view. Mm. Now it is not anymore because the media make it sound like you know ah France you know Brexit France says this yeah. and then you think all oh, French people are like that or yeah. like you know Germany is doing this yeah. and then if you abide to those ideologies then. You, you think that German people are like that. It's it's weird. Yeah. Like if all we have to do is just sit in front of a mic and talk for two hours, you realize we have a lot more in common than, than you think we do. Totally. It's ridiculous. I'm going on and on about this no, because it makes I me mean, feel really sad. I think there's, <clears throat> there's something about like just like a sense of yourself and if that mm. feels threatened and just that being so yeah. fragile and if that's what you think about life or reality is threatened mm. it's like oh, oh you know yeah, yeah. like if when you when you were working with these people in georgia right 
that they had lost everything or they barely had anything. Mm. What was the thing that like hit you the most about about that kind of environment where communities are shattered and people put together? Um, I mean, there's always hope, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think, you know, in your, I think, I think, I think about the hope and I think about the people that I worked with that were amazing, that were mm-hmm. working closely with them, you know, and that, yeah. that gives you hope. I mean, is it, is it the Mr. Rogers quote, <laughs> Do you know, Mr. Rogers, yes. where he says like, or maybe he quoted someone else, I don't know, right. but he has this quote about like, in times of crisis, look for the helpers. Mm-hmm. And that, I feel like that's really profound because I think yeah. in all of these situations, there are people that are putting themselves in in danger's way or acting far and above, you know, to, to help. Yeah. So I think when I think about that that time, I think about like those faces. Yeah. Um, and, um, and just like, the 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 youth as well like mm. i think that's 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 potentially the hope too is kind of you know we talk about millennials and stuff but like yeah. a, a new generation that can challenge yeah. some of these things and say like this is not okay um, yeah and it's out there i just hope they don't use the same terms as everybody else yeah. is because then we're not helping the situation just making it worse yeah how did you adjust coming back from the peace corps or coming back from Tbilisi and and coming to Scotland, basically. I thought that Scotland was like America <laughs> at uh, first. Nope. So I thought, you know, this is going to be fine. And I think the relationship that I was in, he was working overseas a lot. So, mm. and while his family was really supportive, I was really lost. I think I had major reverse culture shock, right. or reverse. I mean, I or another layer of culture shock yeah, you because added a layer I wasn't returning. Of. I've never returned, I don't think. Um, so I was really lost and I um, was working loads of, I had like, you know, 12 job interviews, working mm. loads of temp jobs. Like it was really a demoralizing time. Oh, um, no. Tell me more about it. No, <laughs> <laughs> I do. There was one, there was one temp job where I was working in admin at this law firm and every time I walk by I give it a little like whatever you call that yeah, 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 yeah. two the, fingers the two fingers up um yeah. and I like the women were nice to me but the men were awful so that has been a true lesson like mm. to be kind to receptionists and administrators and yeah. cleaners and like, you know because yeah, they're human beings too oh like, man we're kind to each other, totally Jesus and i Christ. remember a woman pulling me over that was a quite high up lawyer saying like mm-hmm. what are you doing here like you tell me about your experience and that you know like those yeah. there were a lot of lessons in that but that was really hard for me and then i ended up playing volleyball and finding a team here oh, um and ended up playing in like Carl Luke and Troon and Elgin and you know so got to see yeah. like the high schools of the country so it was like a, a sort of like amateur amateur uh, yeah semi bros um like. I'm a, I, I don't know how what you would call it no yeah idea. yeah but it was you know it took up loads of time so it was like it was that was great it was a good destruction oh then. and how um, did you feel going back to to like volleyball oh it was great because yeah. I knew that like again the flow like there yeah. was no 
cultural difference besides people being a little bit afraid of me because I would slap butts really hard and be in their face. <laughs> but I was like, I'm not changing, right? That's who like I am. this is who I am. Gear up. Yeah. <laughs> the seventy year old people in front Seriously. of you playing on the beach. You're like, oh my God. I loved it. I loved it. They didn't love it so much, but no. well well. Um no that because I knew that and it was just nice to have something familiar. Um but yeah, no, that was a that was a tough that was a that was a tough time, but it's great that like you went back to something you knew well and that, that helped you. That's that's a great lesson there for anybody that right now don't, don't feel great about themselves. So they're, they're going through a rough patch, you know. Besides, the, it's going to get better. You're going to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think like going back to the things that you yeah. like and that helped you or that like you just enjoy doing yeah. it just helps a lot. Yeah. Like, you know, there are ways to get to get through this and... I've been through the motions of, you know, changed my country, I left everything behind and started over again. And it was such an emotional yeah, totally. time. It's so hard. For, for me, it was the first time I was really away from home and I had to start from scratch. And it was one of the most liberating things you can do in your life. And I think everybody should do it. Not change country and never go back home, but experience yeah. that. Yeah. Because those feelings are real. Yeah. When, when it's on you and you have no money, you have to survive. That's when, he, when life gets real and it's amazing what you can do yeah. when it comes down to it. Yeah. So I, I think I discovered a lot in that time of my yeah. life. <clears throat> and clearly there was no Peace Corps. It was a different experience for me and I am so happy I yeah. did it. Uh, and it's, it's like, for me at the time, going back to university was something that I knew because I had just finished uni and I had a, I had a good time um, making shorts and learning about cinematography and writing and all that. Mm. And in coming here, I felt lost and I knew I had to re retrain in a way. And mm. uni felt like that warm uh, sort of like cover that you yeah. need. And I worked really hard at uni, but for me it was like, there was a group of people that accepted for my for how weird I was and I didn't speak better in English, but I made... Um, good friends, my, my best friends, and uh, like one of my best friends, I met at, I met at uni here, and it was also one of those people. He was a helper when it came yeah. to it, because you know you were talking about helpers before, and there is always someone yeah. that is there to help you when it, when you're in need. Yeah. It's amazing how if you're just a little bit receptive, the moment that shit hit the fan, he was there for me, and I, I'll always be grateful to him for for his support at the time. Yeah. You know, he was. It was exactly what I needed when I needed it. And um, that for me was, is huge. Yeah. Huge. And I really, how many do you, when you, when you, in that, in that blog post, you, you, you're just thanking helpers yeah, out there because yeah. thank you, because that's, that's what people need sometimes. They need yeah. someone to lend a couch, lend an ear, lend a shoulder. Yeah. And things will work out for me. Totally. And it's, and it's being receptive to that yeah. and open to that and asking for help. And yes which is really brave it is to <laughs> to accept that something is not working yeah the way you want it to work yeah in a way is accepting defeat which is a ridiculous way of putting it but you, you got to accept that sometimes you get it wrong yeah you gotta move on oh it's fluid yes right it is, it right is. things and ebb like, and flow ebb and, and flow is real you'll have a horrible time but then 
then the good <laughs> times come, you know? Yeah. And when you have the horrible time and you look forward to the positive times, when you do have the positive times, yeah. it's fantastic, you know, because you've been totally, there. Yeah. And it's like, just take it in, enjoy yeah. it. And I, I think, like, I, I would never wish to not have the horrible times, which sounds yeah. awful, but, yeah. like, I mean, luckily, like, you know, um, I haven't had, a, like, a lot of loss in my life or, yeah, or yeah, those yeah. things, but I think... Oh man, they just add such a richness and richness and depth and resilience. Like I think when yeah. you survive those really tough times, it's like I'm not. I I am not gonna do some. I'm not gonna not do something out of fear because I know yeah. I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it really changes the way you approach. I think so. I, I think you have to get hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but it's just the way it works. You've got to get hurt. You got to get it wrong. Yeah. You got to get out there get your head smacked, come back and do it again. You know, it's just, it's just the way it is because that's- Game on. Game on. Because that's what it means to me to be, to be humans. When I, to be human. When I realized when I was here and I started over again, I felt a level of emotions that they were yeah. like deep, deep inside of me. I was lost in a life I didn't like. And changing that was amazing. It was like seeing in color for the first time. And every time, you know, life get tough and- for a reason or another, it gets really messy, right? I'm always like, here we go again. Yeah, We're in the tunnel now, but soon enough, you know, all yeah. of this, I would have learned loads. So I'm always trying to look at the positive and it makes me, genuinely makes me feel good because I've been yeah. there so many times. And when I do, I'm like, this is great. I'm going to level up again. Yeah. Do you know? It's yeah. always a positive way of looking yeah, at it. Yeah, totally. And on this positive note, thank you very much, Joe, well, for coming. Thank you. This was... I learned a lot about <laughs> myself and you and life. Welcome was good. to therapy in creative <laughs> industries with Eric Ravalli. And I appreciate you coming. 95 quid an hour. That's it. Um, I appreciated you coming, you being so honest, and I knew I would get a good, good solid chat for you. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry for putting you in the spot there twice. No, it's, it's good. Fine. So, t- <laughs> fine. So, tell, tell people where they can find you. Um, if they want to find you if, uh, at Joe Holton on Twitter That's like that fair. kind of vibes yeah. um, I'm all over the place I guess medium yeah. and uh, I currently run a scholarship program at the University of yeah. Edinburgh which we um, offer full scholarships and leadership programming to amazing uh, students from Africa mm. find me there because that is like that is, that is a wonderful element. place yeah <laughs> That is Joe doing her thing. It is a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful thing. I'm sorry we didn't get to talk about that more in detail, but um, we're just going to get kicked out. It all so. feeds into that, you know. It it's does, all, it does. Yeah. It's, it all does beautifully uh, tied up together. Like, were you there when they shot Fargo? Or were you away at the time? Um, I was. My mom went to aerobics class with the wife, <laughs> Kristen Rodrud. <laughs> aerobics uh, class. At the Y. Um no, it's really it's uh it's really painful to watch it because I hate those films where people yeah. make bad decisions over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there, I do get a little bit homesick because there are like the really bleak bits where it's yeah. like, um, and they step on the snow and the frozen snow breaks that sound. Yeah. That's home. I was like, oh, that's home. Oh god. Um, so would you say the movie um was a, was accurate? 
I think there's, uh, I you know, it like wasn't filmed in far, you know, there's various no, things no, no, like but that. Like, yeah. but, but there are some like cultural nuances. Like when she when she's pregnant, Frances McDermott is pregnant mm-hmm. and like they get a call at like three in the morning and they just like get up and start making breakfast. Like mm-hmm. no, like kind of the stoic Scandinavian yeah. like. That's it. No feelings, just work. <laughs> like that's very, that's very North Dakota. It's so interesting how there's this, this pockets in America where like, you have different accents, different way of life. Yeah. And like, it's, I find it fascinating. But we can't talk about it. Okay. We have to. Okay. Thank you very Next much. One, part two. Uh, thank Thanks. you very much for listening. And uh, yeah, speak in three weeks. Bye.